That's nice. You were listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. I like that song. I do too. Good morning. It's day 69 and 70 of reading through the Bible. And as you're driving today, we uh, pray everything's safe and uh, you're blessed by our oral, keeping alive the oral tradition of the scriptures. Yes. Whether you're able to read it for yourself or just hear people talking about it, it's going to bless you. It's what the word of God does. And mm-hmm. even in the midst of Leviticus, and we are in the midst of it, and its midst is great. It is. <laughs> it's. <clears throat> All right. Old Testament it. reading. Where are we? We are in Leviticus chapters 21 through 24. Gotta work that temple or that tabernacle. Yeah. Tabernacle right now. All right. So what is God saying now? You know, I never realized God is constantly speaking throughout Leviticus. He's saying to Moses and Aaron. And then other times he's saying to Moses and Aaron for the congregation. Mm -hmm. So God is very vocal in Leviticus. He is. Like, I mean, this is why... Uh, the Israelites cared most about these books is yeah. because it's when God talks the most. I know, it's funny. We kind of naturally like the stories about God's people. Mm-hmm. And they're going, well, that's nice, but here's what God actually says. Yes. And so he's talking in chapter 21. We're Great. going 21 through 24 of Leviticus. The priests, what are, what's going on with the priests? Yeah, so 21 and 22 is uh, basically setting up the holiness of the priests and the high priests and kind of giving very specific instructions on this is what you can do this is what you can't do because you are handling the offerings of the of the people to god you're handling the things of god and so you have to be even more separate and set apart from uh the rest of israel and at first it seems weird because we're such americans Mm -hmm. it feels like well how come people with blemishes or they're not perfect. They can't, they can't minister in the tabernacle. And uh, you realize in chapter 21 that priests were national leaders. Mm-hmm. And so they're representatives. And so they are to be, they're kind of physically and spiritually representing the people. And so there's a need <clears throat> for being perfect. Yeah, they're representing the people to God. And then they're also representing God to the people. Right. And so they have to be able to bear both. And so, like, yeah, we get, like, super specific on, like, what they're allowed to, like, how they're, have, like, are allowed to do their hair and their beard and um, who they're allowed to marry yeah. and not. And, and, yeah, and you do get this whole um, interesting, like, uh, like, they can't be dwarves or hunchbacks or have any very physical disfigurements. Right. But can't uh, marry a woman who's been divorced. Right. Like, and so, like, with the disfigurements one was interesting. Uh, it was, they're not allowed to be the high priest and go into the Holy of Holies, but they're still allowed to minister. Right. They're still allowed to handle sacrifices and stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's like going into the very presence of God. You have to be, like, God demands perfection. And, and just kind of like children hearing directions on, mm-hmm. you know, you can't touch the stove might seem... Uh, harsh at first but it's for our protection and what god is really like his heart here is at least what i see right his heart is i'm teaching you i'm giving you objective lessons i'm saying it i'm showing you 
you are separate. You right. need to be separate. You are my chosen treasures. I've separated you from the mundane things. You're holy, all of you. Mm-hmm. And so we go to great lengths with the priests, and it almost seems ridiculous because his love for you is ridiculous because right. he has separated you, and that is ridiculous. The grace involved in separating us is ridiculous. And so it seems ridiculous at times, but you have to realize he's going to great lengths to separate us, and he wants the people to know we're. We are different because God has looked upon us and said, I want to be with you. Mm-hmm. So, and he's also, um, this is also in light of the deaths of yes. Nadab and Abihu. That's a good point. And, and God's being very specific, like, I don't want this to keep happening. Right. So let me very detailed and very specifically tell you, like, this is what I require of the priests, right? And this was only on the priests, and only on the and and then it gets even more specific on the high priest who had to go into the holy of holies, right. into the dark room with the uh, presence of God, the cherubim, the mercy seat. Right. It is, it, you know. Okay, so we we are recording these in March of 2018. I have to say that because I hope my great grandchildren listen to this to know who their grandpa was. But um, but what we're going through right now, like as a nation, is we just had a school shooting. Mm-hmm. And as a result, all the, the political conversation is about guns and regulations. And so it is very similar. You have two, Aaron's two sons yes. die because they went into the presence of God unauthorized, like mm-hmm. just willy-nilly with right. no, not understanding. And so you can understand God is, is doing what we all do after that. I mm-hmm. don't, God does not want anybody to die because he is a, what's it, uh, all-consuming fire. Like he is holy. It's and It's approaching a, the sun. It's approaching the sun that hovers over the earth and burns your eye. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I, the sun is telling you, this is how you're going to approach me and live. Right. Here's, put on sunglasses. Yeah. Here's some sunblock, 75 for Adam, 15 <laughs> for Matt. <laughs> Um, and yeah, and so I do think in light of, cause it even is mentioned in chapter 22, verse 17 about Aaron's sons and that they died mm-hmm. and that I want you to live and be with me. So yes. you have to remember that and, and put aside kind of our, almost our childish ways of approaching God. Not, and I'm not saying that in a negative way, like, you know, children are highly praised in the kingdom of God, but we have to go trusting him. And trusting that God knows what's best. And it's also like the the priests and the Levites are being provided for by the people of God. Like they are not working outside of this. Like they're not like really working the land or anything because they don't have land to work. And they're being provided for. And so God's even like these rules are to set up and keep them from abusing their privileges. Right. And making very clear delineation between like who's who can accept the privileges of God and who can't. And one of the main thoughts for me is God never says that you and I have to be perfect to receive or walk in his love. He says our offerings, our sacrifices have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. They have to be without blemish. So we take from the herds the best. We give our best to God. And of course, we know in light of Jesus that Jesus is our sacrifice and yes. he is perfect. Yes. And so don't ever let the law crush you. The law mm-hmm. is never to say you need to be absolutely perfect. It says you're 
the thing that's going to pay for your death, the sickness of death in you, needs to be perfect, mm-hmm. not you. You will be made perfect by me forgiving you. And so you can't afford to give second best. You can't afford to give mutilated or messed up animals because you know they're dead anyway or they're not going to be productive for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and I do want to note, like, in the latter half of 22, there is a discussion about the offerings and what they can offer and what the priests can accept. Right. And, again, it's God kind of clarifying, like, what the priests are allowed to do and what they can't do to keep from abuses from happening, which in a later stories, we will see these abuses happen, and God gets very harsh on the punishment to the priests. And But it's remembering the restrictions of 21 and 22. Yeah. Because these do all get violated at some point, and it leads to some like real grossness it's among the priesthood. Frustrating, too, for God, who made it clear. Mm-hmm. So then 23 and 24 of Leviticus... You start getting into God clearly identifying. In fact, he says, he spoke to Moses and he says, speak to the people and say to them. So Moses is telling, again, what God is saying. Now, here are the feasts. Here are the festivals. Your life, and I I like Mm -hmm. this, thinking about here is the seasons. You have four seasons. Yes. Physically. Yes. But now, as my people, I'm giving you seasons of knowing how to worship. And he starts, you know, I guess I'll say something. Most of them have a time of holy convocation. Yes. Which was cool, like divine worship, right? Yes. So he sets up not only um, you're going to rest from work, here's what you're going to offer, here's how you're going to worship during this time, mm-hmm. which is connected to the very first one, Sabbath. So again, God says, your first and foremost commitment to uh, festivals is a weekly Sabbath from you rest from work, to gather around God's word, mm-hmm. to worship. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just rest and do nothing, but a holy convocation. You shall do no work. It's a Sabbath to the Lord in your dwelling places. So um, sometimes I just focus on resting, but really the idea is rest so that you don't have to worry about work and you can actually come and sing praises, um, gather around the promises and, and the word. Be fed by God. the word of God. Yeah. That's, that's really what it is, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. So um, then the greatest festival of all really has, carries the remembrance of deliverance, which is the Passover. Passover. So God rescued. He will rescue us again. Redemption is kind of the chief theme. And then uh, in the Passover, you have to offer, what do you have to offer up? Does it matter? Um, well, you I only mean, eat unleavened bread for a week. And then there's the Paschal lamb. Um, that you offer up, but uh, oh, it's seven a, days though. Yeah, you're doing these offerings for seven days. Every yeah. day you're offering up sacrifices, yeah, so which one, is unique. It's a, yeah, it's a week long, and again, these the part of the sacrifice is you get to eat it. Yeah, and you eat it with your family, and your and your clans, and in your tribes, and so it's a it's a they're feasts. It's like a week long feasting. Um. And remembering, like, this is what God's done for us. And on the first day and the last day are solemn days of remembrance. Sabbath. Of Sabbath, where you do no work. But then the rest of the week is you do no ordinary work, which means no occupational. Like, don't do your day job. Mm -hmm. Like, you can still do, like, little tasks and stuff around the house and 
do normal stuff, but you just can't work for money. Yeah. So really, this is like our Easter, <clears throat> our Holy Week, mm-hmm. where we take all week and we remember the deliverance that Christ has paid for us, how we were in slavery and now we're freed from slavery. Mm-hmm. And like even Good Friday, the death, the sacrificial death of Christ on the cross. Cool. Um, moving on, the first fruits. Yeah. So the first fruits is uh, the first fruits of the harvest. Um, and you just, whatever the first harvest is of the year, you bring whatever it is and you dedicate it to the Lord. And it also goes and feeds the Levites. Okay. Did you have anything you liked about that one? Um, other than it, it's set apart to really feed the Levites. I don't I liked that it was, um, it was a wave offering. Yeah. That's the. The, 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 make the cross sign of the cross you and make then, the sign of the cross and whenever they're doing a wave offering that's the stuff that the priest gets yeah and then I liked that you couldn't eat anything until you um, offered it to the Lord so mm-hmm. you gave thanks to God first and then yes. you ate it so which kind of tie I'm tying all these to like what some stuff we do today right so today we praise and thank God for the food so yeah, even before, before you eat your lunch today Thank God. Think of it as a mini uh, first fruits. Mm-hmm. You get to reap some food and you say, thanks, God. Then the Feast of Weeks, which connected some things for me today. It's seven weeks after the first fruits, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. So it's after the barley harvest. Um, and it's the like beginning of the wheat harvest. Okay. So it's just like, again, it's very connected to the seasons of uh, what grains grow when. Right. And so, again, we're kind of removed, of, very removed from that kind of stuff. But what did it connect for you? Well, it connected that the first fruits and uh, you have Passover and then you have the first fruit of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And then you have Pentecost coming at the Feast of Weeks. Oh, nice. Which is God blessing a new harvest, right? Yes. So like you're seven weeks into it. And then you have another festival because he's provided and you're praying for a new harvest. And that's mm-hmm. when the Holy Spirit comes uh, after seven weeks after Christ is crucified and offered up. It's pretty cool. You start to connect the Old Testament to the New Testament. And you see that even the things we celebrate were foreshadowed in a very legal way and completed in a very spiritual and physical way by Christ. Mm-hmm. And then even the Feast of Trumpets, it's a time uh, of memorial we're a holy gathering with trumpets. Mm-hmm. Bah, 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 bah. And I and I connect it, and it's connected historically as God is our king. The yes. reign, the reign of God. And so you have this feast of trumpets where you blow the trumpets and you recognize we don't have a king, we don't have a leader that is a man. We have God. And God hovers over his tabernacle and is meets with us. And so they blow the trumpet. Yeah. Also talking about the reign of Christ. Um, and then the day of atonement, of course. I thought was really cool. We read about that, where that is a celebration and a festival of rest, mm-hmm. that worship and repentance. It's actually a call of repentance and rest. And fasting. Yes. It's like Lent. Yes. So the feast, the Day of Atonement is like our Lent season. Yeah. So I don't know if it, I'm, I mean, we're reading the ESV and when it says, uh, it'll say, afflict yourselves. Yeah. I, and afflict yourself means to fast. Right. And which is really interesting because reading some of like Paul's stuff, he'll say with much affliction and stuff, and he's he's connecting to fasting. Like I've been fasting and praying for this. It's Um, a part of our. But these are the these feasts are the cycles of our our um, Mm -hmm. spiritual seasons, you know. And it's good to connect to them. Then there's the fest, the feast of the booths. 
Yeah. Which is like your camping trip where you <clears throat> you recreate being in the wilderness and you, you take the palm branches and these big leaves and you make tents. Yeah. And you stay there for seven days and mm-hmm. you celebrate like the fact that God delivered us. And they're not even out of the wilderness yet when he sets this up. I know. And... This is interesting, is uh, in the Feast of Booths, this is where they have a holy convocation on the eighth day. Yeah, the eighth pre- day. And present a food offering. Because, I mean, I don't know, a, a lot of arguments growing up were, when are we supposed to worship? Yes. And and there was a lot of arguments presenting, like, Sabbath worship. Like, you own, like the people of God only celebrated on uh, Saturday. Right. And here it's showing, like, I mean, they did it well, on the, the eighth. There's times where they did it on the eighth and day as even well. Even in the last chapter, there was the eighth day. There's so yeah. many things that say eighth day yeah. that if you have any insecurity, you meet someone who's really excited about um, mm-hmm. about the Sabbath being Saturday, they're right. Don't fight with them. Right. But just remember, the new creation always begins on the eighth day. Right. The whole new... And, and so Christ has inaugurated a new kingdom where he reigns on the eighth day, mm-hmm. which is Sunday. And that's why we worship on Sunday. I also do want to note that uh, the way their day cycles yeah. ran is that uh, the end of the day for them was at evening. Mm-hmm. As, and that was also the beginning of the next day. Okay. So like we kind of like... Mark the days at midnight. Midnight or two a.m. Yeah, for daylight they're like time. marking them around six. Okay. O'clock at night. Smart. Like, and so, so like a lot of things, they'll they'll begin fasting in the evening because that's actually the start of the next day. It makes sense. It makes sense because daylight is done. Yeah. And then in twenty four, you got uh, two two sections that kind of make sense and are connected, and then you get into something totally different: the lamps and the <laughs> bread for the tabernacle. Really cool. The light of the world. Oh yes, 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 um, yes. That there's always a light in front of, in front of the tent of meeting, and um, that burns forever. Kind of like they keep it lit, or at least at night. I mean. Yeah. So there's a lampstand in the tabernacle, and it's in the holy place, not in the holy of holies. Right. So it's in front of the veil. On the other side of the holy holies, it's just darkness. Like it's where God has hidden Himself. Right. And the priest only answers there during the Day of Atonement. Um, but yeah, so there is this cool, though, like before the veil of God, there is this constant light that ministers to the people. It's really cool. Yeah. Well, the, then the, if you can recall the New Testament, Jesus has, I think, seven I am statements. I mm-hmm. am. He says, I am the light of the world. Right. And that's what this is a reference to. And that's what everybody knows. He's like, <laughs> I am the light out. in yes. front of the veil. Yes. I am the son of God. I'm lighting up in front of the Holy of Holies. Yeah. And then the next section is about the bread. So Jesus not only says, I am the bread of life. Yes. He provides bread. But then he says, take this bread, eat it. It is my body mm-hmm. broken for you. I mean, this is my body. And so Jesus very clearly identifying himself with the parts of the tabernacle in the wilderness and the temple. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's you start to, as you read through Leviticus, you start to understand how offensive Jesus is to them. Yeah. Or how, uh, how great, it's either judgment or it's salvation. Yeah. So you either hear it as like, wow, he is the light, he is the bread, thank you God, or you can't do that. Yeah, so the bread was, again, like they would get bake 12 loaves and put them in the holy place mm-hmm. of the tabernacle. 
and it would sit there in the presence of God. And then it was also for the priests to eat from. Yeah. Anyways. Then it ends with a, a great story about blasphemy. And again, the thing we'll, we'll say is when they talk about cursing, it's not like a slip of the tongue or, or saying a bad word. Yes. We're talking about actually putting a curse of death on someone else. Like, mm-hmm. legitimately, I hope you die. I'm against you. Mm-hmm. And so God sets up rules to say if, if anybody is cursing one another, calling down curses, again, the need in our camp is to separate from that kind of demonic language. And yes. so you you kill. Yes. So it sounds like in the middle of this, mm-hmm. there is like this event. So it kind of, this is why it kind of like just also breaks yeah. in there. Is there's this event of uh, a boy, a young man who is from uh, an Israelite woman and a foreign, like an Egyptian father. And he gets in a fight with another Israelite, and he starts really cursing the name of God, like bringing down a real curse right. onto the name of God, basically saying, God, I want the God of the world to go to hell, Right is the idea. Like, I just want, like, for us to wrap our minds around that. And, it, and they mean it. Like, it's not like some, like flippant thing that we do because we don't believe words have power they were really connected to the truth that words have power and so they so this boy's trying to curse god and in this camp of israelites and they're going how do we handle this and so they don't have like a it's interesting they don't have like a way to deal with it yet because god hasn't revealed it so they like basically arrest him (laughs) yeah they hold on and then they kind of put their hands on his head and they take care of it. They eradicate because it is tied though. For me, it's tied to don't use the Lord's name in vain either. Oh yeah. So like you are my, you are the priest's kingdom of priests to Mm -hmm. the world. And so if you're cursing God, you're out. That means you don't want to be here and we cast you out or your life is gone because life without God is gone. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. It seems harsh to us. And it is. And it is, but they stone him the thing that I found interesting and finally connected to me, yeah. and I don't... Anyways. Yeah. Um, was that they lay their hands on him before yeah. they stone him. And I realize whenever you lay your hands on something, it was to put... It's like transferring your sin, any guilt that you might have, onto something else. And so I'm realizing it's God setting up a way for them to absolve themselves from the guilt of murder. Oh, interesting. So they're putting their sins on him and then murdering him. Wow. Harsh and hard to relate to. Right. Not a life verse. No. But then the last section is an eye for an eye, which in this context is just very practical. Like, here's how justice system is going to work. You steal, you have, you have to pay back mm-hmm. and a little bit more, and there's punishment, and it helps govern a society. Yeah, I always thought this just was like kind of like, gross like no. like especially when it's like yeah, if you break if you break someone's bone your bone gets broken right. but you realize in a society that doesn't have any formed government or laws in the wilderness in the wilderness the actual uh reaction to being hurt is to double down hurt the other person more right so if someone breaks your arm you break everything they have but yeah. you break their whole body and so God is actually coming up with like a, no, look, like 
we're going to be fair about it. It's the Wild West. Mm-hmm. As a kid growing up, Time Life used to have a book called The Wild West. Time Life operators are standing by. Order The Wild West. And they read excerpts. Mm-hmm. Jesse James once killed a man for looking at him wrong. Right. And so it's just like that. And so God's got saying, we're not going to kill each other for getting weird looks or being offended. We're right. going to make sure this is as legal and just as possible. So... That's good. Thanks for that, Lord. <laughs> Leviticus. <laughs> you gotta like Leviticus. I think it is helpful to put Leviticus in the Wild West, mm-hmm. the wild wilderness. But uh, let's move on now to. I mean, you know, we're going to Jesus, and it's just as Wild West sounding at the end of Mark when you think about it, because they're breaking government. It's corruption all over the place. Let's get to our New Testament reading. All right, our New Testament reading is Mark chapter 15. Chapter 15, what are we doing? Okay, so we had the Sanhedrin meet in the middle of the night to decide basically how they're going to logistically get Jesus crucified. They hand him over to Pilate in the morning, and they're like, Trying to basically pitch to Pilate, this guy is trying to hurt you. He's a re- he's a yeah. leader of a rebellion against Rome, because that's what the title King of the Jews and Messiah would mean to a Roman government. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the next morning. They're trying to present it as they want the whole world to feel like, oh, a legit proceeding happened while mm-hmm. you were sleeping. Yes, and it's interesting to note Jesus didn't make any legal defense. You know, he didn't, like, try to delay or get another hearing or anything. And the reason I bring that up is because through this whole chapter, even up to the end of this chapter, when he actually dies, it's important for us to realize Jesus gave himself up. Yes. He, get, he went to the cross because he chose to go to the cross because God said go to the cross to save the world. And so at every point of this, he, um, he was, actually had the authority. And he was being given opportunities to get out of it. To get out of it, to even take narcotics, to get out of the feeling of it. So, And he could have used his power, his divine power. Oh, yeah. He could have done something. But even, like, legally, he could have gotten out of this. And so we have Pilate asking a very poignant question, are you the king of the Jews? Because that was the title that was given to Herod uh, the first when Caesar Augustus uh, appointed him governor over um palestine and he called him gave him the title you are the king of the jews so it again is a very political title and so he's asking is that what you're saying it's like as you say you said it i am the king of the jews well he just kind of says he doesn't even play that game he just says you've said so and just leaves it at that and Pilate's like uh okay and then he's having to hear all the stuff that the chief priests are bringing to him, and none of it lines up. They can't get any two witnesses to line up, so he's like, this does not sound real to me. And Pilate just thinks that the chief priests are envious. Like, oh, mm-hmm. this guy is more popular. He's a better, yeah. newer preacher than we are. Right. Uh, it'll pass. And then um, he thinks Jesus is innocent, but still condemns him just to save himself because he's playing the same game as everybody well, else. Well, yeah, so he does the whole thing. Like, again, so it's a very, it's Passover, tensions are high. And so they have this, like, little thing to make 
like politically to yeah. like relieve tension, which is Satiate let's the re- people. release a prisoner during this time of the year. And uh, which I'm now realizing it's probably in some form of mockery in connection to uh, this year of Jubilee, but that's interesting. Mm. Um, but he brings out Barabbas, who was an actual insurrectionist, an actual zealot who was fighting against Rome and killed a lot of people to try to overthrow the Roman government. Um, And what's interesting is Barabbas means son of the father. Interesting. Huh. Barabbas. Barabba? Yeah, son of the father, which I never thought of. And so we have the son of man, son of God. So what's my name? Barcott. Son of the cot. Yes. Son of one who likes to take naps. <laughs> Whatever okay. cot means. But yeah. yes. And so we have the son of God, son of man, being held up in re- like relation to the, the son, son of, of the fa- the son of the father. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And they choose the son of the father to, they free, yeah. to free. They decide to free Barabbas. And uh, then I didn't know this that the king of the Jews was hung around his neck as he walked. Oh. That was as he walked. But before that, the soldiers, I, I just didn't want to forget that. Um, the soldiers are brutal to him. So I think he had the sign that they're going to put above the cross. Yeah. What I read was they hung it around his neck. And mm-hmm. then when you got there, they took it off your neck and they nailed it to the top of the cross. So, so it says you. king of the Jews. So mm-hmm. he's got that hung around his neck. And then the soldiers, you know, I was just thinking if someone's going to death row, usually soldiers or police, you know, if you're already condemned, I don't know. It just doesn't, it seems weird to want to mock well, here and you to go. do this. They're, they're okay. a little more uh, they're, brutal than they're they need They're way more brutal and aggressive than they need to be. And here's the reason is they're not a legit legion. Okay. Um, there wasn't an actual legion stationed in Palestine. And so... The, the legionnaires, the 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 soldiers that Pilate has are mercenaries. So these are scabs. They're like local or mercenaries or like guys who got kicked out of the official legion. Okay. And so they're like, they're brutal, ruthless, bloodthirsty guys. Have you ever heard the term scab? Um. Yes. But yeah. So they're on, the real guys are on strike and they have yes, the scabs. Yes. Yeah. They yeah. break the picket line and they go out to this place yeah. and they'll be. Fake legion. They're the they're the ragtag team that's not usually used to having any authority. Mm-hmm. So they spit, they mock, they hit him, they yeah. they do all that. They dress him up like a, a king. And I was just trying to think why, and I get that makes sense. They're just abusing their power because mm-hmm. they're not used to having it. And also because it's like I could un- maybe understand. You know, a year ago or so, there was a, a guy locally who shot a police officer mm-hmm. and maybe was treated a little more brutally because he killed the police officer. And right. I'm like, but Jesus didn't do anything. You know what I mean? Like he didn't kill anybody that these Roman soldiers would care about. Well, the other idea too is that they're probably like Herodians. So they're probably Jews. Oh, uh, that are working for the Romans. Mm-hmm. And so again, he's like, and that's good. That's like, helpful. He's like a threat to so everyone what they're doing. And which is also helpful to realize the normal people, like you and me, mm-hmm. we love Jesus. Right. We waved palms. Right. We're not the ones beating and mocking him. No, this no, is no. leadership. These yeah. are people who are threatened by 
the positions they've chosen mm-hmm. to gain power for themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's king of the Jews, and uh, they he wears that around his neck. Yeah, and then we and get it's like, like ironic because he really is king of the Jews. He's yeah. king of God's people. He's yes. going to reign not just the Jews, yes, but uh, the whole world. And then we get like this quick like excerpt about Simon of Cyrene. Yeah. And he carries the crossbeam for Jesus because Jesus was beaten so badly that he can't carry it. It's about 100 pounds, mm-hmm. according to history. So right. it's a 100-pound beam. Yeah. After you've been beaten and your back has been whipped and up. and Now you got to carry the thing that you're about to be killed on. Killed on. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah, and then, so then they do, they like, they offer him myrrh, which is a narcotic in a way to kind of deal with the pain, and he doesn't take it, uh, and he is crucified, so this is also interesting, it's always been, it, he's crucified between two robbers, something that we're pretty familiar with. Uh, always presented to me was that they were like thieves, you know, mm-hmm. robbers. The title robber was given to insurrectionists. Right. Was to people who tried to rebel and steal the kingdom from Rome. Right. And so I was always like, they were common day thieves, but these guys were just another (laughs) group of zealots who got caught and are being made an example of. That's a good point, man. It's not like Aladdin... Yeah, a little like, street rat. It's not a little street urchin. Bread. This is not how they no. dealt with street urchins. This no. is how they dealt with people who tried to rebel against the authority of right. Rome. And they actually got something going, and mm-hmm. they killed some people, and they mm-hmm. started insurrection, and they put Jesus with them as if he's starting some man-made movement that is a threat to the civil government. And so that's who he's being killed with. Yeah. And even the insurrectionists, according to the narratives of Mark and Matthew mock Jesus like yeah. you couldn't even get something started and who are you and that's why people walk by and they're like Haha, you said you'd destroy the temple rebuild mm-hmm. it in three days and that makes sense you're with insurrectionists you said I thought you said you were going to defeat the Romans and mm-hmm. set up a new government <laughs> yes, yes, yes okay yes. okay save yourself is always the cry yes and really is always at the heart of our struggles mm-hmm. and then um, the death of Jesus Something struck me new this time. Okay. Is that as he's, a, a, how do you say it, asphyxiation, right? Yes. Where on the, that's how you oh, die yeah. on the cross. Mm-hmm. You start to drown by the fluids that are gathering in your lungs. You just can't breathe. Like, you have to keep pushing yourself up with your legs. Yeah. And, because, like, with your, your arms up, it starts to become hard to breathe. Like, the airways to your lungs are... Right, being messed up. So just him, he gives a loud cry. Mm-hmm. He says it, you know, uh, in the Aramaic. But then, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I just realized, like that could be a almost a superhuman last. You know, how you get superhuman strength when you're saving a mm-hmm. a woman and her child. You flip her car over with this amazing strength. Right. He has this amazing, like last cry. And yeah, then, and then after that, there's one more cry after that where he just gives up the ghost. Where it says, um, and Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. He breathed his last. And, and I, I like that, that again, he chose, he, he entered into death. Mm-hmm. It wasn't uh, forced upon him by man. He no. walked into it. He refused to uh, take away any of its pain or suffering. And then he even, at the end, he gave his last breath 
and then died. And they were all saying, and then Pilate's like, how did he die already? Yeah. Because he chose to die. Yes. He was dying for us. Yes. You didn't take his life, Pilate. He gave it. And I, that's never meant a lot to me until recently. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It just means a lot to me that this wasn't a, we aren't powerless. Even in our suffering, our struggling, it's like we choose to follow God. We choose to put ourselves in positions to have faith. Mm-hmm. And we do what we can, but we're making, we're not powerless. And neither was our Savior. Um, I don't know. It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. And I mean, I think too, like the fact of he's been quiet yeah. up until this point, And then right before he dies, he's screaming on the cross. He's speaking before God. He'll, he'll talk to before he's God. he's understanding, like he's identifying with the pain of being uh, abandoned by God. Right. And then the most amazing, in light of Leviticus, the most amazing thing, this gets just heavier and heavier, the fact that now we say the curtain is torn. What? Like the needle scratches. The curtain is torn. That's huge. And it's torn from, and we said this last time, I'll never get tired of saying it, but in Matthew, and we'll say it again in Luke and John, God tears it from the top to the bottom. God tears it. This is a big, thick, heavy curtain and God says the way, the fellowship between man, humanity, man and woman and God is being torn by the Lord Jesus Christ. A way of fellowship is opened up through the perfect sacrifice, the firstborn among men. That is amazing. Okay, so this hit me when in line with Leviticus because we're reading about how there's the lamp yes. before the veil. That's right. And... The veil gets torn, and now the light, the darkness, because the Holy of Holies was in darkness, and now the light of the holy place is shining through the veil into the dark room, and now we are able to see God in a new light, in a way that he had hidden himself before, is now revealed through the sun. And then Mark records (laughs) that even the most base person yes the centurion the centurion who has is way more clueless than the disciples gets it yes truly he was the son of god which is an amazing statement coming from a roman centurion yes whose leader caesar has carries the title the son yeah. of god it's an act of treason it is an act of treason and he just said it out loud jesus Woo. pays for the sins of the world as god and as man takes the curse of the law and then you have Pilate releasing his body which is another thing because like this guy is treasonous he was he was crucified with treasonous people, people. insurrectionists and so it took some courage for was it Joseph Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea yeah. to go can I have the body because now he would be aligned himself with an insurrectionist right but he gives it to him and he says oh he's already died yeah, yeah. because Jesus gave his life yes. it wasn't taken by you right and then you have uh, the sweetness and the sorrow of the people who love Jesus gathering around his corpse and uh, wrapping up Jesus's body, putting the stone against the entrance, and Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of, of Joseph saw where he was laid. Yeah. And so now it's like the trueness of death, the sadness that surrounds the reality of death mm-hmm. kicking in. But we know the rest of the story. This is really beautiful. And uh, every time we go through, it's, it's a different perspective with Mark than it is Matthew and John and Luke. And so I look forward to another 
15, 20 days. I don't know how long it takes, but we'll get to another retelling of this in Luke, I think. Uh, yeah, we'll start it's, next episode. It's pretty... What? We start Luke next episode? Yeah. Wow. Goes fast. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> what? This is fun? <laughs> What's our psalm for today, Matt? Um, we're going to do Psalm 31, uh, 19 through 24. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, and worked for those who take refuge in you. In the sight of children of mankind, in the cover of your presence you hide them from the plots of men, you store them in your shelter from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me. When I was in a besieged city, I had said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight. But you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Love the Lord, all you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful and abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Boom, you've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We'll talk to you next time.